0: Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. John Lennon once said, a dream you dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. Join me as we connect dreams to reality by chatting with innovators from around Washington, DC. Our show is proudly sponsored by the DC chapter of the Entrepreneurs' Organization. This is the Impactful Leadership Show. Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. The managing partner at Blackburn Capital Advisors. Today's guest is an entrepreneur who successfully sold his business to his leading competitor, ADP, a Fortune 500 payroll company in 2007. He is an accountant and consultant for growing companies and nonprofits, the president and CEO of CFO Services Group. Please welcome Manny Cosme. Welcome, Manny.
1: (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Greg. Good to to be here.
0: (laughs) It's great to have you on the show. Um, so, this show is all about leadership, and my favorite question to ask my guests is, Manny, tell me about some misconceptions in leadership.
1: Misconceptions in leadership. So, you, you asked me ahead of time to prep, prep my thoughts on this question, and so I've actually, have, I've actually given it a lot of thought. Uh, I was journaling about it this morning. Uh, I, I do my meditations every morning, and I was thinking about this question as I was meditating, and then I wrote down some answers. Um, so misconceptions about leadership, I think there's a lot of them. Uh, the one that really came to me was this idea that leadership is something that is done externally to people. I think that when, when someone thinks about leadership, it's, well, I have to lead people. I have to somehow do something to someone to get them to act in a certain way and move forward. But I don't think that really is what leadership is. I think leadership is really about someone being true and honest and open with themselves and then letting that exude out into the world and then letting others sort of get magnetized by that. And then that in and of itself is what moves people forward. So I think that's really what leadership is. And I think that's the common misconception. It's really taking it internal and being true to yourself, and then letting that move people. And so to say that slightly differently, it's
0: self-leadership. And as you understand who you are, and what your values are, and what your purpose is, that attracts others to follow versus the other way in which you stand on a podium and you feel like you're a leader and you're going to sort of force others to follow.
1: Exactly. I mean, it's, it's really about, you know, really stirring that energy that resides within someone else to get up and do something right. I I can't, I can, you're right. I can sit on a podium and I can preach to the world and I can preach to my you know team, you know, you should do this and you should, should do that and you should get inspired by XYZ. But at the end of the day, they themselves have to get inspired. They have to, they have to spur that energy within them to get up and do something and to make a change. And so how do you, how do I put that on to someone? I can't. What I can do is motivate myself to get up and make those changes and to move myself forward and then allow that energy to be caught by the others around me, which then brings their energy up. You know, it's all about energy, right? It's all about if I raise my energy and my vibration levels, then others will catch on to that frequency and they will increase their energy levels and then they will get up and move. And then together as a team, we can really start moving forward. You know, and I think that's really what leadership is.
0: Absolutely. That's very well said. I'm curious to take that a a little deeper and from the perspective of building your team. So when you're going through an interview, you identified some candidates to fill in some sort of role. Right. We've got a very short Mm -hmm. amount of time to make an assessment if he or she is going to fit the culture and the passion for the team. Any. Tips or tricks that you've come up with over the years that that help you identify if this is a person that's going to follow our energy or something to that effect.
1: Yeah, that that's a great question and one that you know I'm constantly reevaluating. Certainly, as my team grows and and we move forward and whatnot, and 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 as the business gets more and more complex as it grows, you know the challenges we had ten years ago, five years ago, last year are definitely different than the challenges we have today. And then we're going to have tomorrow. Right. So it's finding those people that are really going to hook into that energy. And so, you know, when I interview people and I've interviewed a lot of people um, you know, one thing I do is um, I never really focus on the skill set of the person necessarily. I always sort of assume that, yeah, you can do the job to me. It's more about, are you going to be the right energetic fit? And do I, can I envision you in the time we have being able to put yourself in challenging positions and move through those challenges? That to me is the most important thing. You know, is this person self-aware? Can they, can they speak from the heart? Can they articulate who they are and what they want? That to me is the most important uh, aspect of bringing on anyone, certainly in other leadership roles in the business, that, that has got to be the number one, most important thing, you know, and there's lots of techniques about interviewing, you know, top grading is something I've, I've looked at, I've studied, um, you know, a lot of great stuff out of there, of course, um, you know, making sure that people match with core values of course have to happen and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you know, it's also learning to trust your gut instinct and really listening to that. Do I see this person as a part of the team? And can I see them growing with the, with the team? That's, that's really, really, really important to me.
0: That's very insightful. Um, just jumping back to what you said at the beginning, when we were comparing leadership styles and energy level, when did that thought process hit you? I mean, did you, did you have that philosophy around leadership When you first stepped into your leadership role, or whichever, whatever that was? Or was there something sort of over your journey that made you realize that, hey, you know what? If I could attract people to follow me versus telling them to follow me, I'll have a much better outcome with whatever I'm trying to accomplish?
1: Yeah. um, So I definitely did not start out like that. That's for sure. Uh, (laughs) So being an accountant, and uh, coming from that background, um, you know, when I was in my younger days, uh, you mentioned the business that I had a long time ago, uh, you know, back in those days. And then even um, right before I started this business, I, 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 had, I had a business, I sold it, I went back to work, uh, ended up uh, being the CFO for a national nonprofit. And so I kind of did all that before I started this current business, CFO Services Group. Um, but all through that time... Um, I know I was probably more on the tyrant (laughs) level (laughs) than the, uh, I want to get to understand you and know you level. Uh, I definitely came from the, um, you know, you will do what I say kind of mentality. I don't understand why no one is listening to me. You know, I'm telling you what to do and you're not following it. Uh, so, um, you know, which is a very hard thing to do. Um, and so, you know, you can do that to a certain level. Um, that organization you know I was one of several you know executives in that organization and so the the culture itself was very much so that you know that you do what I say kind of kind of a culture but you know it was like it was like pulling teeth constantly right and things would never happen and you'd get fresh constant frustration and so um, I left that I started my business and for a long time it was just me running my business but as I started to hire, you know, those challenges would come up again of, well, I need you to do X, Y, Z. It's different. It's different when you're working in an organization because you can almost kind of hide sometimes and blame it on other people when things aren't getting done. At the end of the day, well, I'm just one person in a cog. And so if my thing doesn't get done 100%, the organization is not going to disappear tomorrow. But when you run your own business, Things are very different. If you don't get X, Y, Z done, you're on the line. I mean, you're not putting food on your table, right? So you have to learn how to motivate people to get things done. Just because you say you want something done and you ask them when to do something, does not mean they're going to do it. So I had to learn how to start motivating people to actually do the job that I had hired them for. Which is kind of funny to think about, but it's true, you know. People can be, you know, people can get hired to do a job, but again, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to do the job or do it to the degree that you really want them to. So you do have to learn how to inspire people to do their best and to move the ball forward in the interest of you and the the business that you're trying to build. So, yeah. So a lot of hard lessons learned <laughs> that journey.
0: It is a journey and a journey that we're, we're only in the middle of. Yeah. I, I want to dive back into your history and and talk about selling your business to ADP. Um, I've had several guests on the show have sold their businesses either to very large companies or competitors. And the conversation that we get into is talking about the emotion to, when making that decision to sell. Mm-hmm. And I suspect we've got audience members who might be in a position or thinking about the next three to five years and when they want to sell their business. And of course, it's their baby, right? We just built these businesses, and it got to a certain level, and here's this giant that wants to buy us. Talk to us about that emotional roller coaster. I'm assuming that you and your team went through when you first decided, "Hey, you know what? This is something we really want to pursue."
1: Yeah, actually, I will tell you, when that happened, I was very happy and very relieved, to be honest. <laughs> so I was, I was definitely on the um, the yes, let's do this. Um, you know, it was, it was payroll. So this was, this was a few years ago, it was payroll. And um, I I had never thought about selling the business. I'd worked really hard to build it up. Um, But I saw um, that the industry was changing and I, I, I didn't necessarily like where it was going. And so again, I reflected internally and this is where I kind of, you know, brought it to myself and I really sat with that for a while. And I was like, you know, I see the industry changing, how do I really feel about this and I realized that I didn't I didn't like the direction it was going in um, it just didn't excite me for for whatever reason I also knew that if I was to continue in this business I would have to change a lot of the way I was running the business and doing and processing payroll like it so to put it in context payroll kind of became more of a commodity and more of a a um, a software service. That's actually what payroll is today. If you think about kind of like the ADPs and the paychecks and and those people in the world, you know, really they've become software providers rather than payroll accountant professionals. I enjoyed that aspect of it and the consulting aspect of payroll. I did not enjoy the literal processing and the grinding out of paychecks, you know? So it just didn't fit where I wanted to be. And so um, it was funny because as I started to feel this, as things happen in life, suddenly an opportunity opened up where I was approached by, I had always had a good relationship with the folks at ADP, um, our rep in our area. Um, we would go out to lunch every so often and just kind of hang out. And every, on occasion, we would kind of lead share where, you know, hey, this client isn't a good fit for us. Maybe they can go with you. Because at that time, ADP was also focused on larger businesses and I was focused on smaller businesses. So one day we go to lunch and, and, and my rep was like, hey, uh, there's, there's an interest actually from the higher ups at ADP. You know, you're growing this firm. You're getting a lot of clients. We're noticing you, you know, would you be interested in selling to us? And the minute he said that, I, my immediate reaction was like, yes, 100%. I'm interested. Let's discuss. Um, so the opportunity presented itself you know, based on what I was feeling, you know, and as I say, you know, when opportunities present themselves, you definitely want to pay attention to what's going on there. Um, So it ended up being, I think, I mean, a year long process to finally, you know, actually iron out all the details of that and whatnot. Um, But yeah, I was very, I was very happy. And um, I mean, to this day, looking back on it, it was, it was the best decision I could have made at that time.
0: Yeah. And certainly with what happened in the economy, the following two years,
1: yeah, like your, your timing was pretty good. Yes, very, very, very true. Yeah, especially I was in California, and California got decimated, so I was very happy. I made that decision and moved to DC at that time. So yeah.
0: Well, let's get into that. A shift, focus a little bit, Manny. Talk to us a little bit about your backgrounds, like where you grew up, how you got to here, how you got to DC, your current business. You know, like, I like to put you on a soapbox and and you know, enlighten our audience of of who you are and what your business does.
1: Yeah. um, So after I sold that business, um, I stayed in California, ended up taking a position with the California Hispanic chamber of commerce, um, which I've been involved with. Uh, My dad was actually involved in that chamber for many years. Um, So I ended up uh, taking over as controller for the California Hispanic chamber. So I moved to Sacramento. I lived there and, uh, and then a position opened up at the U S Hispanic chamber of commerce uh, which is based here in DC. and uh, you know they thought it was the right person for the job, so I accepted that job and suddenly found myself, well, I was hired to be the controller and then three weeks into the job, I ended up becoming the CFO, which is a long story. They ended up firing the old CFO. I became the CFO and suddenly I was the CFO of this massive organization, which was, A trip. Um, But, uh, but I stayed there for about five years and I, I ran the finances for, you know, the, the organization, which is the parent chamber of commerce to all the Hispanic chambers across the country. And there are thousands of them literally around the country. And then they in turn serve, you know, all the Hispanic owned businesses in the country of which there are You know, thousands and thousands and thousands of those. So it was a very, very interesting experience. And I learned a lot being there Um, a lot, a lot about not only, you know, the profession, Um, I learned a lot about business there, Um, even more so than running my own business, running this organization that served businesses. I learned so much. And I learned a lot about myself, Um, also just moving across the country where I literally knew no one. Um, and being in a completely different environment. You know, D.C. is very different than Sacramento, California. Very, very different environment. And so uh, just learned so much and grew and just really, it really, that experience shaped who I am today.
0: Fantastic. So tell us what you're doing today. What Tell us a little bit more about CFO Services Group.
1: Yeah, so, um, so being in the chamber, uh, you know, being the CFO, um, not only I like to say, not only was I running the finances for the organization, but because I was in this position, and we served all the Hispanic chambers across the country. All, all the chambers themselves are small; they're almost like small businesses, right? They're small nonprofits, and they in turn are serving a lot, mostly small businesses. And so, inevitably, being in this position folks would come to me and start asking me questions and advice on how to manage their finances. And so I I found myself kind of being in this advisory position for a lot of these chambers and a lot of these businesses. And, And, you know, it started to dawn on me that no one was really helping them manage their finances. And so, you know, they would have bookkeepers or they would have their tax accounts helping them, but no one was really helping them on that CFO level. And so the light bulb kind of went off and I said, well, you know, this is something that I could do if I ever wanted to leave my full-time employment, I could do this. And then again, an opportunity opened up where I wasn't really kind of, I was, I was getting a little stuck and feeling a little bored in, in being the CFO for this organization. So I decided to go part-time with the organization and then start to pick up clients on the side to start my CFO consulting business. And that quickly took off. There was definitely an appetite for that. Um, so I would say, you know, within a, a year or so, I was able to leave uh, the, the chamber completely and then just start running this business on my own and, you know, kind of start picking up clients here and there. So here I am today, 10 years later and running CFO Services Group. So <laughs> that's what we do. A lot of uh, CFO advisory work and a lot of the back office bookkeeping. Um, One thing I quickly realized, my initial intent was to just do CFO work for clients. But the minute I stepped into that space, I realized that, well, if they don't have good books, we can't get good advice. And so I actually had to shift gears and focus on getting their books in order first before I could provide the CFO advisory. So actually, I spent the first five, six years or so really just focus exclusively on bookkeeping, just getting books in order. And then finally, I was able to shift over into more CFO advisory work as I was able to start hiring my team to do the bookkeeping for the clients. So so that's yeah, kind of where we evolved. It's been having, interesting.
0: <laughs> having good data is pretty critical in oh, yeah. making business decisions. So I got to ask this question, Overall, the experiences you've had and the clients you've seen, what's probably the most common mistake or issue that you come across when dealing with an entrepreneurial business?
1: The most common? Well, <laughs> there are a few. Um, definitely not having a financial forecast is, has got to be the number one mistake that I think most businesses make. You know, I, I say, well, and along with that, it's having good data right? So, you know, I like to to say, you know, running a business, it's complicated, obviously, as we all know, anyone's listening to this podcast probably is running a business. And so we all know that it's very complicated. And so your financial forecast is like your map, right? It's like, this is where I'm at, this is where I'm going, and then this is my plan to get there. And if you don't have that mapped out in some way, shape, or form, you have no idea where you're heading and you don't know if you're going to run into a roadblock tomorrow and you're going to be able to move around that roadblock. So sitting down and creating that map is so critically important. You know, I like to use the analogy of, of, you know, imagine you're in a big room, a big auditorium style room, for example, and you're kind of in the middle of the room and all of a sudden all the lights go out and it's pitch dark, you know, how are you going to find your way to the exit to get out of this room to get to where you need to go? Well, that's what having a financial projection is like. Running a business sometimes is like you're in that room and the lights go off and you have no idea where you're going. And so you're going to start stumbling and, 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 and tripping over things if you're not careful. But having that projection is like standing in that room and being able to shine a light at the exit door that you're trying to get to. And so now you have a much clearer path as to where you need to go. And you may still trip on things here and there, but the likelihood of that ultimately stopping you from reaching your destination is dramatically reduced because you understand where you're going and you can see more of the obstacles in front of you. And then you can pivot around them. So that to me is what having a forecast is. And that's why it's so critically important. And that's why the businesses that don't have those things have a like a stronger likelihood of shutting down you know as we know the statistic is what one in every two businesses doesn't make it past their first five years i think that's the statistic uh but if you work with an accountant it's been proven your odds of being that beating that statistic are like 90 percent. so you know the message is clear that if you work with an accounting professional or finance financial professional you will your odds of success go up go up dramatically because you have the information, you have the map that you can use to get to where you're going.
0: That's a great analogy. Mm-hmm. I might have to use that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so one more sort of advisory question that just came to mind. You know, we're on the the tips of a new recession. We'll see how deep we go, or if we bounce, or who knows. Depends what economists you want to read. Yeah, <laughs> how are you helping I your company? Right.
1: Keep hearing information back and forth about that. We'll see.
0: Yeah. And the one who's right will say that he or she was right <laughs> from the beginning, right? Right. Of course. Um, <laughs> are you advising your companies any differently these last handful of months than you have been sort of uh, I guess pre-pandemic cuz obviously the covid was a little bit of a different time frame, but specifically around a potential deeper recession?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And my answer is no. I think, I think the answer is always the same. The, the strategy you have to employ, okay, not the specific strategy, but the mindset you have to have is always the same. So whether there's, there's always a looming recession, there's always a looming boom, right? The, the, that's the nature of life. Things change, right? So Change, change is inevitable. There will always be something new that is thrown your way that you're not necessarily 100% prepared for. So whether it's a recession, whether it's a team member that you suddenly lose, uh, whether it's a key account that you suddenly lose, you know things happen all the time. So right now, yes, there's talk of a recession. So what, right? So what does that mean? To the business owner, it shouldn't really mean much because what you should be doing as a business owner is always planning for the inevitable. Again, having that roadmap and knowing where you're going and then start to identify any potential obstacle that could be in your way, whether it's a recession or any of those other things, key account, you should always have that in mind and know what you would do to move around that obstacle when it appears. Because let me tell you something. For every obstacle that appears, an opportunity also appears at the same time. And if you can sit back and look at the obstacle and then look for the opportunity that's right next to the obstacle, not only will you, will you successfully navigate around the obstacle, you can actually grow your business tenfold in that. Op- you can grow exponentially in that experience. So, yeah. you know, yeah, there's a recession, Where's the opportunity in the recession? Let me tell you, when COVID hit, a lot of people panicked. Myself, I initially panicked as well. I think, I think everyone kind of initially panicked. And then it quickly shifted to, well, where's the opportunity then? What can we use to actually grow the business during this time? And then all of a sudden, the floodgates opened. And we actually grew quite a bit because of, uh, because of the COVID pandemic. And a lot of businesses that we saw did the same because they recognized the opportunity. It reminds
0: me of this book, and it's a famous book, and I can't remember the gentleman who wrote it, but it's it's titled The Obstacle is the Way. Mm-hmm. And it very mm-hmm. much talks about you, you see this obstacle in front of you, you need to go towards it and embrace it because that is where the opportunity lies. Um, I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit, Manny. At the beginning, you talked about your morning meditation and your journaling. Talk to me about your morning routine I, I, for years have followed the morning miracle. Um, I've switched to 10, 10, 10 every once in a while. You know, it kind of depends on my mood, what I do, but talk to us about your morning routine and and meditation and journaling in particular.
1: Yeah, um, so every morning I I do the exact same things. I just have the miracle morning. Yeah, um, so I get up, I do a yoga routine, a little 10 minute, 15 minute uh, yoga routine just to get my body moving, super important because especially as we get older, uh, you know, our joints start hurting, our muscles start hurting, you know, and so um it's very important to really get your body moving and get get that energy moving. So I do a little 10-15 minute yoga routine, nothing really crazy. Um, I walk my dog. As I walk the dog, I listen to um a podcast on um on mindset. So I, I listen to I listen to a lot of podcasts, this one included. Um but uh, I, I try to really focus in on the mindset podcasts um, to get my mind in the right place, right? Because again, as a, certainly as a in life, but certainly as a business owner, challenges constantly coming at us every day. And if you can have a strong mindset, then you can move through those challenges. And again, when obstacles come up, instead of looking at the obstacle, you look for the opportunity, right? So you know, really getting my mind in the right place. So I'll do that. Um, come back and then, yeah, I'll do a meditation, 15 minute meditation. Um, and then I'll do a little five, 10 minute journaling after the meditation. So anything that came up, sometimes I don't know what I'm going to write. I just kind of start writing. I do it on my phone. So I'll just kind of start, you know, whatever comes to mind and inevitably things start coming up and I start to really get it up and out. And sometimes I'm amazed at what I write. I'm like, wow, did I really, was I really thinking that was I really feeling that, Um, but it's, it's amazing. You, you really have to dig in and get this stuff up out of you so that it doesn't hold you back and it doesn't hold you down. And, uh, it's a great way to really look at and and really face what you're thinking and feeling so that you can move through it and, and move on to where you need to go. So, um, and then I'll, then I'll walk to the office and as I'm walking to the office, I'll continue listening to a podcast and that's kind of, that's kind of my morning. I do that pretty much every morning. So
0: that's powerful. You mentioned also earlier about vibration levels. And I find that the morning routine just gets you into that, you know, onto the same wavelength as the universe around you, into positivity, into creativity. Um, it does. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast topic, but I was intrigued when you mentioned that because it's a powerful tool. It is
1: well. I, I mean, talking about leadership again. You know, you have to, as a leader, you have to be, you have to be so strong yourself. You have to be, have a really strong sense of yourself and know yourself so well. If you're going to lead others, especially through something as challenging as scaling a business, and so really taking that time to center yourself and do the inner work, that that to me is the most important thing that a, that, a, that a leader can do. It's not reading the latest business book. It's not going to a business seminar or answering emails or getting that thing on your to-do list done. The most important thing for a leader to do is to work on themselves and to take the time to work on themselves. Mm-hmm. So I do it every morning because I like to start my day like that. And I've tried, you know, I, I, I like to listen to kind of other methodologies out there. And so I've done the, I've tried the, um, the methodology where you get up and the first thing you do is you spend 15, 20 minutes working on your most important to do, you know, item on your list, whatever I've tried that stuff to me, it doesn't work because I wake up and, and my mind has to immediately shift into work mode. And once my mind shifts into work mode, it's hard to pull out of that. It's hard to pull out of work mode because you're starting to go, your energy shifts. So I like to start my day with what's the inner work that I need to do. And that really sets myself up for the rest of the day. I'm much more relaxed. I'm much more calm. I'm able to see things more objectively and be able to hone into my energy to make decisions. And again, as a leader, certainly as your business grows and things get more complex you really have to listen to your inner gut and your inner guidance system. Sometimes there really is no answer for the challenge that you're facing. And you just have to, or maybe sometimes there's 10 different answers to the challenge that you're facing. You have to listen to your inner guidance to figure out which direction you want to go in. And I firmly believe that you will guide yourself to the proper solution for you if you just listen to yourself.
0: I, I completely agree with that as well. and. I've also found that my morning routine is more effective when I actually started it the night before. So it's like getting away from my phone before 30 minutes before going to bed, having something to read, you know, not indulging in things that are gonna make my stomach feel terrible across the night, right? Yeah. Getting a good night. Like, so for me, it's almost it's this eight hour clock that starts probably an hour before you lay your head down
1: to when you finish your morning routine. Yeah, absolutely. So, so important. Yeah. Yeah. I love going to the gym at night. I'm, I'm like a gym night gym person because it, once I'm done with the gym, I can go home, I can chill out and then fall right asleep and then just be up the next morning. So yeah, same, same. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to have, you have to have those routines for yourself. So, so, so critically important, you know, especially today, you know, I feel like, and I'm sure most people will agree with this. I feel like in today's world, everything is just so fast paced and there's just this, this like constant pressure to perform and to just get things done. And, you know, you hear these, you know, quote unquote, great entrepreneurs and how, you know, they'll work 20, tw- 25 hours a day, how that's possible, but, you know, <laughs> I'll work 25 hours a day and get, you know, all this amazing stuff accomplished. Um, but, you know, but it doesn't last. It burns you out mm. and, You can do it for a period of time, but when you start hitting those challenges and those obstacles, if you don't know yourself and you haven't worked on your inner self, how are you going to move through those next challenges that arise? You can't just work your way through them. That's not how it works. Sometimes you have to really just be quiet and let yourself guide you through the challenges.
0: Yeah, well said. And it's extremely difficult to do in the moment, especially early on in your entrepreneurial career where it's, there's a brick wall. And if I run fast enough, I'll get through it. Yeah. So Manny, how audience members want to get in touch with you? What's the best way for an audience member to get in touch with you?
1: Uh, They can reach me at cfoservicesgroup.com. That's our website. Uh, So email address, phone number, all that stuff is on there. So also on LinkedIn, find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on there, so I am live and uh, I try to post every now and then, so <laughs> you can, you can catch me there. Uh, but yeah, that's how you reach me.
0: Awesome. And we'll include those links and, and websites, uh, and your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So Manny, it's been great to have you on the show. I think we could geek out about meditation and self-leadership, um, especially about finance and accounting, yeah. but, I. Uh, I think we'll close out our show today with that and and look for the next one to to get into those details. So thanks again for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. And that's a wrap, my friends. Thank you for spending your time with me. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at impactfulleadershipshow.com. One last food for thought, walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone.